As some of you know, at the uh, Sermons Casa, we have uh, two ferocious killer Yorkies at our house, and um, they are, like most Yorkies, uh, yappy and territorial, and they bark a lot, and it's their mission in life to let everybody know that they're the boss, like this is their house, and nobody else gets to come in unless they say so. So if you come to our house, uh, like just pulling in the driveway, they're going to meet you at the door, and they're, they're going to have some words with you and let you know that, that they're the boss, and then they're going to bite you on the foot, and then everything will be fine. Uh, the, the thing that Yorkies are not good at, at least our Yorkies aren't real good at, they're not good at focus. They're like, like, you wouldn't take them hunting, um, mainly because anything you shoot is going to be bigger than they are, for one. But they, they just, they're not like pointer dogs, like they, they, they're not real focused. It, the least noise or uh, uh, movement or lights or anything, and they're like off the couch, to the door, barking, uh, and, and usually one of them goes, and then the other one just follows, and he doesn't know what they're barking at. He's just barking because the first one's barking, and he figures out, I'll, I, he decides, I'll figure out what we're barking about later. I'm just going to bark. And this is great in the middle of the night, right? When there's noise and the house explodes with uh, Yorkie barking. Um, it's that whole squirrel syndrome, right, with dogs. Like, any movement, they're, they're going after it. Um, we all, I think, have a little Yorkie inside of us. Um, not, not that we're small and, and furry, but that... More so that we're just, all of us have distraction tendencies. Some more so than others. Like some way up on the scale of anything distracts me. And some a, a little more focused. But all of us have those. And I guess there's various categories of distractibility. Like there's the irritating distraction. Uh, for me... The, the type of thing that distracts me sort of in an irritating uh, way is noise, like, like repetitive noise, like tapping, like this sort of thing, that I can't make somebody stop, like I can't harm them quickly enough to get them to stop, and it just goes on and on, and they don't realize that they're annoying me, so noise is distracting, and movement a little bit, but, but noise a lot, phone ringing, like cell phone going off. And nobody answering it. I've yet to figure out why in a room full of 100 people, 99 people can hear the phone ringing except for the person whose phone it actually is. Like everybody else hears it. Why don't you answer the phone? Or so we're living in the day of cell phones. Hearing one side of what should be a very private conversation that's not private. You ever in those awkward moments? Like when the phone hung on the wall in your home. You never had to endure this. But now you get treated to one side of what really should be a private conversation all the time. In the middle of Walmart and places like that these days. So that sort of noise uh, bothers me. Um, some people are bothered by like, uh, hearing people eat their food. Yes. <laughs> Is that, I, I, anybody? Anybody? Just want to get that out there? That's you? Yeah. Um, what about 
crunching ice, like when somebody's chewing and craning. Is that anybody? Because, yeah, usually what happens is people that are irritated by ice crunching marry an ice cruncher, right? It's like, it's like this cruel trick that God plays on people, and he just laughs and laughs. So, so there's like this whole category of irritable distractions. And we know, though, like we recognize, we recognize those um, because we feel this fierce anger growing inside of us whenever that's happening and this desire to inflict bodily harm on somebody. So we know when that distraction is going on. There's another category of distraction that's not irritating. It, it, actually, it's kind of good. And by good, I mean we derive some sort of pleasure from it. Like our brain releases that dopamine uh, chemical, that pleasure chemical, uh, chemical that says, hey, this is good. Do that again. This is good. Do that again. And, and we are surrounded by, inundated by, in the time that we live, good distractions, or at least good feeling distractions, right? They're good until we look back after an hour or two and realize we've just wasted the last hour or two. But it was good. Like, like we enjoyed it. It was awesome. But we didn't get anything done because we were, we were doing this other thing. Um, even, I found out this week, I can be distracted by distractibility test online. <laughs> like, as I was thinking about this message, I thought, well, I wonder if there's, like, any test online to test how distractible you are. And, like, 45 minutes later, I wrapped it up. Um, I, I even found one, and this was the most extensive one. You had to answer questions. There's like 20 questions you had to say whether something changed or didn't change, stay the same, did these change. So you had to keep answering these questions. And at the end of the test, it proved that I scored really high on distractibility, meaning I'm not easily distracted. And, and I felt sort of like this inner sense of pride in that until I realized that scoring well on a distractibility test had totally distracted me from getting the message written, which is kind of the whole point, is to not be distracted. With that in mind, I brought some distractibility tests for us to take this morning. So here's the first one. There is a letter N in the picture that, that I'm going to show you. Your job is when you see the letter N to raise your hand and hold it up, all right? Instruction's clear. It's not real hard. It's not complicated. Look for a letter N. Raise your hand. Ready? Go. Ah, there's a slow one over here. There's so much trickling in back over here. Yeah. Okay, good. Good. So you're pretty quick on that one. Uh, obviously, they call it a distractibility test because they put this weird superhero over to the right to see if it draws your attention even for a split second before you answer, especially when you notice um, it's a one-legged superhero, which is, and he has a grotesquely large thigh. Uh, <laughs> not that I'm saying amputees with hideously large thighs can't be superheroes. I'm saying this is the sort of thing that distracts people. Like, what were we talking about? All right, next one, next distractibility test. There's going to be two grids. Both grids have same letters. In each grid, there's one letter that's different. When you find the different letter in both grids, hands up. Ready? Go. You got to find a different letter in both grids, not just one. All right, we got some? We got, yep. Kind of doing the wave, right? We're ready for the Falcons game. That's good. That's trickling. Just move slower. 
Slow. Really slow? Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay, good. So uh, it's like fewer of you got that one and, uh, because some of you were checking Instagram by this point, right? You were like totally out of it. You're going to tune back in in about 10 minutes. Um, we are surrounded by opportunities to get distracted, not from one-legged superheroes, like from all the stuff, like, right? Uh, all of the buzzing and ringing and vibrating and whistles and DM notifications and email alerts. It's like constant feedback to our brain saying, look at me, look at me, you know, look over here. Uh, it was Alice who first went down the rabbit hole, right, into Wonderland. But now there are rabbit holes all around us that we can get sucked into. I follow John Acuff on Instagram. He's an author and speaker. He had this uh, post uh, this past week. He says, you ever stumble down a rabbit hole on Instagram, get lost, and then wonder, is that a Shrek wedding? It's like you end up in all these weird places because you just keep clicking and you keep scrolling. And you started out reading one article, but then there was like two really interesting articles at the bottom. And so you click to those that have nothing to do with what you were looking for. There's all of these rabbit holes in our life that are constantly calling for our attention. It's, it's why the phrase binge watching is coming to our culture, right? It's because it used to be when I was a kid, 100 years ago, when I was a kid... If you wanted to watch a show, you had to be home at 8 o'clock on Thursday night to see it. And if you missed it, it was gone. You never got to see it again right? until the reruns came back on. Then we got this great new invention, the VCR. And if you could figure out how to program it, you could set it to record that show and watch it later. We don't have any of those problems anymore, thanks to Netflix and Roku and Hulu and Amazon Prime, you can binge watch entire seasons of television shows. And you don't even have to get off the couch in between. You don't have to push a button. Like, it rolls right into the next episode. Like, in five seconds, the next one will start. And you're thinking, I got five seconds. I'm not going anywhere. And the next one, and the next one, and the next one. And... And, and let me be honest, I'm not saying that's always bad. I mean, sometimes you're tired, you want to veg, you've had a busy week, you just want to, ah, oh, just want some couch time, and, and four seasons into whatever, it's like you feel better. I'm, okay, maybe there is some positive to that. But the problem is, for us in this distraction world, is, is when we wake up and realize, okay, there's some things that I could have been, maybe should have been doing instead of that. I mean, the ultimate question when it comes to distraction, I think, is what am I trading for my distractions? Because you're always trading something. You're always giving up something. Time is not a renewable resource. You can spend your seconds, your minutes, your hours, your weeks, your months, your years, however you want. You can spend them however you want. You just can't spend them twice. You don't get to go back and spend that same time Again, it's not a renewable resource, and every once in a while, we have to realize that it's very possible that I'm spending up a lot of this non-renewable resource on things that just don't matter, that in the end are worthless. They're not contributing anything to me, and we're surrounded by all day, every day. Right? Some of us 
at the least hint of boredom, reach for our phone, right? Just the least hint of a pause in the day, and the hand goes to the pocket. The hand goes to whatever we got it clipped to. Oh, let me check out. Let me see the news. Check the stock market. Surf through social media. Let me see what the email is. It's like the least pause in our day, and we just reflexively reach for it. Some of us explain it away as multitasking. Oh, I'm multitasking. But look, research proves again and again there really is no such thing as multitasking. That what we call multitasking is really developing the ability to switch my focus between different things quickly. But I'm not focusing on three things. I'm focusing on this for five seconds, then this for five seconds, then this for five seconds. We're really not good at multitasking. And if you think you are, ask your spouse if you're good at multitasking. Because they'll be honest with you. And say, no, you tune me out. You say, all right, that's what my spouse says. I'm I'm not mentioning all of this because I've solved this riddle or I'm really good at it. I'm probably worse than most of you at this. I need this message probably more than anybody else. But what we have to ask ourselves is, what if... The trade I'm making is really not worth it. What if I'm trading away some really important parts of my life for the distractions that constantly come? So not only are we surrounded by distractions, the window of our attention span is shrinking. This is objectively provable. Microsoft commissioned a, a scientific study trying to determine the effects of smartphone on attention and focus. Um, In 2000, the average attention span for adults was 12 seconds, which seems remarkably small to me, but 12 seconds was the average attention span for adults. Smartphones come out, they become ubiquitous, everybody's got one. Today, they've determined that the average adult attention span has been reduced by 25%. It's now eight seconds. It's the average adult attention span, which apparently, according to this study, because everybody references this, is shorter than the attention span of goldfish, which is apparently nine seconds. I don't know how you determine the attention span of goldfish. I'm just telling you, everybody that references this study says, goldfish attention span, nine seconds. Human attention span now, eight seconds. So we've got more distractions than ever, less attention span than ever, and that's a really, really bad combination. I've recommended the book Essentialism to some of you. A couple of you have read it. Greg McEwen's book. Chapter 3 is titled, Discern the Unimportance of Practically Everything. And this is what he writes at the end of the book, uh, end of the chapter, summing this chapter up. The overwhelming reality is we live in a world where almost everything is worthless and very few things are exceptionally valuable. We live in a world where almost everything is worthless. Almost every possible way we could spend 24 hours is worthless and there are very few ways to spend it that are exceptionally valuable. And so you and I, we have to ask this question, kind of heart, gut level, honest check. How much of my time is spent on what's worthless. And how much of my time is spent on what is exceptionally valuable because we're always making that trade. And I know we could argue there's a lot in between, and maybe there is, but there's a lot of distraction that's worthless. 
Here's the bigger issue. And if you don't hear anything else I say this morning, hear this one point right here. Distraction is not just a discipline issue. It's a deadly issue. Distraction is not just a discipline issue. It's a deadly issue. Now, if I'm going to get better at managing distraction in 2017, it's going to probably take some discipline, right? I'm probably, probably going to have to draw some boundaries around those things that most tempt me. I may have to delete some apps so I can't get there so quickly. I may have to make things a little more difficult on me to totally waste my time. It's true. You, you and I, if we're going to get better at managing distractions... It's going to require some discipline, but that's not the big point. The big point is that this is a deadly issue. Is that the distractions of this world, of this earth, of our culture are killing relationships and potential and goals and marriages and parent-child relationships and spiritual growth, and spiritual energy, and spiritual vibrancy. When, when I can't make it through a five-minute devotion without checking social media, something's dying in me. Something's being hindered in me. When I can't worship for one hour without seeing how many likes I got on Instagram. Right? And if I were in your seat, I'd be struggling with it too. Right? I, I, I'm not better than you. There are things that are dying. There are things that are being harmed because of the distractions in my life. Now, the, the thing about the deadly aspect of distraction is that it's one of those silent killers. It's one of those things we don't notice until it's robbed us of time, spiritual growth, spiritual energy, relationship opportunity. It's a silent killer. I'm at the age now where uh, there are people my age and younger that are getting diagnosed with like weird stuff and they didn't know they had it. It's like they were fine and then they went to the doctor and they're now they're really not fine at all. And so when you when you get to my age and you're as paranoid as I am, you you start wondering, like, do I have it? Do I have something? I don't know what it is. Every pain is like, I wonder if that is. Because it was for them. Like, they didn't think it was anything either, but it was. It's like all these things you don't know might be going on. And if you're paranoid like me now, you're thinking about that and you're distracted. But um, <laughs> this is the way distractions are. It's that subtle, I don't recognize it. I don't see it. I explain it away. It's, I say it's not that big a deal until... The ramifications begin to show up in my relationships, in my spiritual life, in my heart for God. It's just not there. It's dull because I've been distracted. You may or may not know who uh, C.S. Lewis is. Thinker, apologist, professor from Britain um, uh, of the last century. died in the early 60s, same day JFK was assassinated C.S. Lewis passed away. He wrote The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and maybe you saw the movie, maybe you've read the books with your kids, uh, but just wrote a ton of other stuff about the spiritual life. One of his more well-known books 
is a book called The Screwtape Letters. And it's a fictional account of a fictional demon, sort of like a, a head demon, who's training a junior demon. It's actually his nephew. And so he's giving his nephew, the junior demon, advice on how to tempt humans. So it's written from sort of the devil's perspective. Hey, you need to do this because this will trip them up. You need to do this because this will keep them from God. I want to read a passage from, from the screw tape letters uh, that has to do with distraction. Now, this is going to take more than eight seconds. All right, so I need you to be the goldfish for just a minute right here. I need to stretch yourself. All right, if you need to take a drink of water, this would be a good time. Hang in there. This is going to take just a little bit of time. You will find that anything or nothing is sufficient to attract his wandering attention. In other words, the person you're trying to attempt. Like, you don't have to go to great measures. Like, the way humans are wired, pretty much anything will distract them. You no longer need a good book. And maybe we would put something else there. But Lewis is saying, you don't have to have something they're really interested in. Like, some great, fantastic thing. You don't need that. You no longer need a good book, which he really likes, to keep him from his prayers or his work or his sleep. A column of advertisements in yesterday's paper will do, right? Or a list of links that you can get him to click on. Or five seconds until the next episode. You can make him waste his time not only in conversation he enjoys with people whom he likes, but in conversations with those he cares nothing about on subjects that bore him. How many of those conversations have taken place on social media since the inauguration? How many people have argued with people they don't even know, let alone like, over issues that they really don't have strong opinions about, but it's there? You can make him do nothing at all for long periods. You can keep him up late at night, not roistering, uh, not celebrating, like big, hey, we're going to party, we're going to have a great time. I had to look it up. Not roistering. But staring at a dead fire in a cold room, all the healthy and outgoing activities which we want him to avoid can be inhibited and nothing given in return. Like You don't have to have this special thing to get his attention. Nothing will do. So that at last, he may say, as one of my own patients said on his arrival down here, I now see that I spent most of my life in doing neither what I ought nor what I like. Nothing is very strong, strong enough to steal away a man's best years, not in sweet sins, but in a dreary flickering of the mind over it knows not what and knows not why, and gratifications of curiosity so feeble that the man is only half aware of them. It's not even that interesting. He just keeps clicking. Like He just keeps falling down the rabbit hole. One thing, more time wasted. In drumming of fingers, and kicking of heels, and whistling tunes that he does not like, or in the long, dim labyrinth of reveries that have not even lust or ambition to give them a relish. He likes there's not even anything great about it. He's not really getting anything out of it. But which, once chance association has started them, the creature is too weak and fuddled to shake it off. I'm just going to sit on the couch and let the next episode start. Indeed. This is summation. Indeed, the safest road to hell is the gradual one. 
the gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. Just the dreary wasting of day after day after moment after moment, which is incredible writing, which is just brilliant arguing from 60-something years ago. But let's be honest. Ultimately, we, we don't care most about what C.S. Lewis has to say about this issue, or Greg McEwen, or me. Hopefully, we do care what Jesus had to say about this issue, and he had some things to say about it. In Luke chapter 21, Jesus is days away, maybe a day away from his betrayal, which is going to lead to a trial and beating and, and crucifixion and death. He's like right on the doorstep of that. In Luke 21, he's telling his disciples, like, you got to stay ready. you got to stay sharp. you got to stay alert. If you're not careful, there'll be things in this world that dull your senses to the kingdom of God, and you will not be ready for the critical moment. As a part of that discussion, in Luke chapter 21, verse 34, Jesus says to his followers, Be careful, or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing drunkenness and the anxieties of life, and that day will close on you suddenly like a trap. Like the kingdom's coming, the critical moment's coming, and you're not going to see it. He mentions carousing and drunkenness, right? Those, those overt public sins, like we know when somebody's drunk, like we know, we recognize carousing, we know public sin and public moral failure, we got that. Third thing he mentions, the anxieties of life, which literally the word means those things that divide up your thinking, those things that pull your attention away, those those little gnats that just buzz around your head. Those little things that chop up your attention and your focus and your thinking and your direction and pull it away from the things that are eternal. And those are the things that are most deadly. As we look at this new year, 2017, we've we've been talking about getting ready for what God wants to do in us as individuals in 2017. What is going to keep most of us from who God wants us to be this year is probably not going to be some public failure. I mean, for for most of us, what's going to keep our heart away from what God wants it to be tuned into? What's going to keep our heart from burning as brightly and as hotly as God wants it to for the kingdom of God is not going to be something that makes the news. Like Channel 11's not showing up at your house probably in 2017 and talking about this horrible thing that you did. For most of us, where we're going to struggle are in those things that just chop up our thinking, divide up our focus, pull us away from the things of God. That is what is going to keep most of us from who God wants us to be this year. Jesus said, be careful. Be careful. You're going to get sidetracked by so many things. And yeah, some of them are going to be public. But some of them, maybe most of them for us, it's just going to be the squandering of heart and energy and emotion and focus and time. 
that keeps us from being who God wants us to be. Jesus tells another parable. It's kind of familiar. Uh, It's about a farmer, and he's planting seeds. And the seeds fall in different places. And depending on where it fell, it produces a harvest, or it doesn't. So he talks about the soil, and and he says some some of this seed that the farmer's spreading, it falls on really good soil, and it, like, it shoots up, and it, it produces a crop, it produces a harvest. But then there's, there's other, other seed that falls on the walking path, and it's been packed down. It's, it's hard like concrete, so the seed doesn't penetrate it. It, it doesn't produce anything. And other soil falls on what he calls rocky ground. And there again, that's... The, the, the crop's not able to grow in that soil. But the, the, the fourth soil that he describes is what he calls thorny soil. And when Jesus is, is explaining this to his disciples in Luke 8, 14, this is what he says. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear. But as they go on their way, they're choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and, do not, and they do not mature. And the word worries is that same word, that dividing up of their mind, the dividing up of their thought. There's so many things that's consuming them, so many worries and distractions that they're not focusing on who God wants them to be. They're not focusing on eternity and the things that really matter and are really valuable. So they know what they ought to do. Like they've heard the message. They know about God, they they know about truth, they know about eternity, but but then Monday comes. And as soon as Monday comes, their phone starts ringing. And their DM notification goes off. And their email is full. And Netflix has just launched a new series. It's like all of these things that are springing up. And like thorns, they choke out. What God wants to do in that person's heart. And again, the biggest challenge I think we have in 2017 in becoming what God wants us to be as followers of Jesus is not some huge moral failure, some big public thing. Distraction could ultimately lead to that, but that's not going to be it for most of us. For most of us, it's going to be because our heart and our mind has become so divided in things that just don't matter. And we've lost our focus when it comes to eternal things and the things of God. The past three years, I've used an app on my phone that is sometimes distracting, I'll admit it. It's called One Second Every Day, and the, 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 I posted about it uh, earlier this week. The idea is you try to take a little bit of video footage every day. I don't do it every day, but you just, the goal is take a little bit of video footage every day, and then you go back, and, and in the calendar, you pick one second from every day. And then at the end of the year, it mashes all of those videos up, and so you have this, this quick review, one second at a time <clears throat> of your year. And it's a, it's a fun way for our family to just kind of recap uh, what happened the past year, but I'm always struck whenever we mash it all up and it was finally done and we watch it, I'm always amazed at just how quickly it went. And there was more than one second every day, but man, the year went fast. The year went fast. The days kept going. And now there's another one. And pretty soon there'll be another one. And there'll be another one. And it'll go just as fast. 
and in a world where life is going fast and there's so much that wants our attention, Jesus says, be really careful. Because all of those things that want your attention, they're not all good for your soul. They're not all good for your heart. Distraction. It's not just a discipline issue. It's a deadly issue. Let's pray. God, thank you for knowing what our lives would be like in 2017. And knowing how how many opportunities we have to neglect what is truly important for things that are worthless. How many opportunities... We have to neglect what's right in front of us, what should be most meaningful to us for something that doesn't matter. So God, help us walk in 2017, not weighed down by all the things that divide up our heart, divide up our mind, and keep us from the eternal. Help us to be ready, to be alert, to be on guard, and not have life and relationships, and spiritual growth, and energy, and vitality stolen from us because we wouldn't say no to some worthless things. Help us to unpack distraction. Take it out of our luggage for this year. Give our heart fully to those things that last forever. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.